Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Thursday. We're through hump day, y'all, which means it's time we hit that downward slope into the weekend. Well, I'm going to get that started for you guys, talking about some things going on with the Steelers, of course. James Conner had some public comments on social media about his upcoming season and kind of where people... You know, the way, if they believe in him or not, we'll get into that a little bit. Also, going to be talking about uh, some odds that were released on the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they stand and where other teams stand, and you know why it's always too early to do power rankings. But I just I have always had some fun talking about these super duper early rankings. We'll get into that in a bit, and then of course it's Throwback Thursday. I have a fun show planned for you guys. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, it's Thursday, so, you know, it's going to be Throwback Thursday. We're going to get into that in a little bit and talk about some fun stuff from the past, but I wanted to lead off with something about right now and something that sort of ties into what's been transpiring over the past few years and where the Steelers are going in the next couple years, and that's, of course, with running back James Conner. Now, you guys have heard me talk a lot about on the show of why I think the Steelers should draft a running back and get a start, a guy who's going to be a starter, and not just a starter, but a uh, a, a major complement to the offense that's going to be a weapon for Ben Roethlisberger so he can, you can take the ball out of his hands and give him some time to rest and protect him and uh, also run the clock and protect the defense. James Conner was thought maybe he could be that after 2018. He had a, he had a really good year. He made the Pro Bowl. Um, if you did, if he didn't get hurt in the latter part of the year, he might have gotten even more yards and really solidified himself. But the problem was he still has yet to complete a a whole season. Um, James Conner is a local hero in Pittsburgh, and this is why I think. Even now, even if you're not expecting him to come back after this year, because this is the problem. His rookie contract is up this upcoming season, which means he has one year to really prove himself before the Steelers have to have to choose on re-signing him or letting him go somewhere else. And considering that they have a lot of big signings coming up, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, they're going to have to re-sign Cam Hayward soon. They're going to be looking at... Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington in the coming years. There's a lot of players that they got to make serious, hard decisions on, and that's not going to make this whole process easy. So I, I look at this as, as an opportunity for the Steelers to say, hey, let's get out there, let's get in front of this, um, and uh, let, let's at least get get a guy that let's take another shot at a, at a higher at a higher protocol running back or a higher profile running back that uh, – that that we that we know is at least going to deserve a shot to be the consistent starter, but that isn't to say that James Conner isn't at least going to get a chance to fight for his future in the in in the in the NFL and specifically with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the reality is, you got to look at what's been going on with James Conner, and you know look at look at over the past over the past few years. You saw him coming as a rookie, really didn't contribute anything, got hurt in the later part of the season, so that and that was that. But in 2018, he bursted onto the scene, had 12 starts, and on those 12 starts, he had 973 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, which ultimately was what really put him over the top. The fact that he had 12 touchdowns was ridiculous, and it was a huge boost to the offense. He also had 497 yards receiving. Uh, which opened up a lot more for Ben Roethlisberger. It looked like he had arrived and that he was ready to, uh, you know, ready to ready to show the world that he's re- he's going to be good and he's going to be someone that the Steelers can rely on. But that all regressed in 2019, 
only only played in 10 games, missing six due to injury. Only had 464 yards rushing, only four touchdowns, uh, and only uh, about 251 yards receiving with three receiving touchdowns, so seven total. Uh, but still not the year that they wanted to come back with. Now, of course, you know, Devin Hodges, Mason Rudolph, we know that that all contributes to it. But the fact is, is that James Conner, he can't stay healthy. It's been rough. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, Vance McDonald not staying healthy. And the reality is that James Conner is is even worse of a culprit. Vance McDonald's only missed four games the past two years. Uh, James Conner missed, missed six games this year. Um, and, and that's not that's not news. But the thing is, is that with James Conner, it's reasonable to kind of expect the Steelers to want to move on soon. I can tell you I have a couple sources that are telling me that that's kind of the case right now. You know, they're not that not that they're resigned to that future, but that's kind of the feeling the organization has unless something else happened. And when uh, when Kevin Colbert was talking about all players heading into this offseason, when asked about James Conner, he didn't exactly give a, a huge endorsement that they that he was going to stick around. I know it's tough that he, what he's going through with injuries. You know, he's he battled back from cancer, and with that chemotherapy, maybe there was some breaking down of his body that's leaning to, to this because football's a rough game, and he plays a very physical style of running. Um, so a lot of people have been doubting him on social media, and, um, and, and it's natural. But some of it, of course, you know, when you get to social media, it's such a cesspool that some people's uh, doubts turn into extreme negativity and uh, just like downplaying James Conner as a person. And that's where it goes way too far, right? Like you, Joe Schmo, the fan, you are fine if you just think, hey, you know what? I think they need to move on from James Conner. I don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy for a whole season and they need a running back that they can depend on. That There's nothing wrong with that take. But then when you get into the personal attacks like some people do, that's where it crosses the line. Well, James Conner started to, to to respond to some of those. He made an Instagram post uh, that was basically saying, you know, if you if you if you ever start started hating me, don't ever jump back on my bandwagon when went bandwagon when things are going good. Um, that's you know that's James Conner. He's always overcome the odds. He's never allowed uh, a major obstacle to just stop him and you know stop him from trying. There was you know footage or not footage, but pictures of him working out with Aaron Donald, another uh, local Pittsburgh prospect, because that's the thing, right? Like, they're both they're both Pittsburgh heroes. Uh, James Conner wasn't from Pittsburgh, but he was from he's from Pennsylvania, and uh, he went to the University of Pittsburgh, so he's a hero in that way, and, he, and that's, when he, that's where he beat cancer, got back, and then he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, I mean, the, the city loves this kid. You know, he, he's, he's a good dude. Like, you know, when you look at the way that he plays, he's tough. Um... And he doesn't back down, but when he when he gets injured, it's tough to root for that. But so uh, his Twitter post basically was retweeting someone that was praising him, and uh, James Conner saying, "I don't expect people to understand, but you just gotta have patience. I go hard for God and my teammates. I will only get better, and the best is yet to come." You know, the best may be yet to come for James Conner, but the thing is, he has to be able to stay healthy. Otherwise, he's just going to continue to prove his naysayers wrong, and that's not something that that he can do. I don't think that he can do from working out more because the guy's already extremely in shape. This isn't about a lack of conditioning. This is just a problem that he's had. It's a luck thing. Sometimes players just have rough injuries. You know, Grant Hill could have been one of the best NBA players of all time if he didn't have a rough injury that just completely sidetracked his career. These things happen to people, but, you know, he has to find a way to succeed in a different way that allows him to protect his body. And running back is just one of those positions that's very tough to do so. But something that I've thought about 
with James Conner and the direction that he needs to go is that he relies himself as a power runner. I've written about this for years for James Conner. He's so much better when you see when he sees a pulling guard or a fullback in front of him because then he can charge up his feet, he can kind of square up, read what the defense is going off of off of his lead blocker, and then make an adjustment and attack and attack aggressively. But when he goes into those zone run schemes, he's not as confident. He runs into more problems. He doesn't process the hole as well. There's a lot of things that come up there that I'm just like, man, like, you know, if he can just sharpen these parts of his game, he'd be so much better. Now, if he could do that and also be a guy that predicates on making people miss but not necessarily engaging in contact, that could be the ticket to preserving his body. He has to find a way to, you know, take the smarter play. Don't always run into the guy. You know, run out of bounds to help yourself out sometimes. But instead of going for the stiff arm, try to put on a spin move. Try to see if you can... You can make people miss. Go down early if you have to when you know you've got a first down and you know, you're know you only looking for a couple more yards. Now, I know typically that's not what you run of a running back, but that's sometimes what you got to do to protect your profile. And James Conner needs to show the Steelers that he can protect himself and that he can last. Um, again, if the Steelers draft a running back early, it's going to be tough for him to do that anyway. He's going to have to beat out some, some star running back in uh, in training camp. He'll know the playbook, so that'll be on his side. Ben Roethlisberger does like his veterans to work with, but... It's going to be tough to go up against competition when it's probably going to be a top back that's an extreme athlete um, that's going to be tough to resist at the position. So, James Conner, I would always say don't doubt the guy. And even if he doesn't get resigned, I think that he's a guy that Pittsburgh Steelers fans should cherish for all the things that he's overcome. And he's uh, he played for Pitt and he has a great history in the city. That's that's something to always celebrate. But I still wouldn't count out James Conner. This guy's proven a lot of people wrong a lot of times in his life. I think that he may at least put on a heck of a show in 2020 to show us something else about it. All right, that's the first segment. I'll be back talking about Steelers odds and what odds makers think in the betting world right after this. All right, we're back. Let's talk about some odds that came out recently on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, you know, I bring this up because... There's a, there's a large push in the country right now about betting and, you know, there's the Fox Sports app and, you know, just FanDuel and all the different things. There's, there's all sorts of sports books open now to, to gambling and that make you want to, you know, people want to bet, put money on things. I mean, and gambling always has been a huge part of sports, but it's getting crazy now. Um, but now uh, the odds makers that are coming out. Uh, that, that that basically talking about you know Super Bowl odds and division odds and everything. Um, this they're 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 putting out like who they think is and isn't going to uh, be making you know you know making any moves in uh, in tw- in twenty twenty. Um, so these odds came from uh, Sporting Bet Sports Betting Dime and Bet and Bet Online AG, and uh, they're basically predicting that. Uh, that they're that the Steelers are going to have a rough time winning the division or even winning the you know winning the AFC Championship game or even winning the division. Uh, they're a plus eighteen hundred eighteen hundred uh, to win the AFC Championship game and uh, to win the AFC North. They're at a plus four seventy five. Then that's tied with the Browns. Now to help you understand, if you're not a gambling person, that means if you were to bet right now one hundred dollars on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the AFC Championship game, you'd get $1,800 back if you're right. Same thing for the AFC North. If you bet bet the $100 on that, you'd get $475 back if, if, you, if you're right on that. Um, now, 
the whole thing behind this and why I brought this up, you're probably like, Chris, what do I care about what these betting guys think? Well, there's a lot of times that these often drive the conversations and the power rankings and what, you know, how, how basically conversations get started on the year and get carried through the off season. So you're probably going to hear this a lot, but you know, you guys heard the ultimate division crossover episodes that I did a few weeks back with the, the Browns and the Bengals and the Ravens hosts. None of them thought the Steelers would even make the playoffs this year. That's where a lot of people's heads are at. And the fact that the Steelers are tied with the Browns, as far as odds making to get, uh, to win the AFC North, it just it's it really seems that people not just doubting Ben Roethlisberger because you've heard me talk talk about that a lot, but they seem to just not understand that the Steelers. I mean, the last time this Steelers team, the Steelers or, as an organization, missed the playoff three times in a row was Bill Cowher's 1998 to 2000 stretch where um, they were struggling between figuring out if they could start Cordell Stewart, you know, was was Tommy, well, not Tommy, Tommy Max, but Kent Graham and Mike Tomzak were all the other guys the answer, and eventually they found out that Cordell Stewart was the answer for at least a time. Um, but yeah, you just you you look at these these odds, and it's it's pretty crazy. And of course, they they have the Ravens to 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 winning the division as favorites at at minus two seventy five. That means that you'd have to bet two hundred seventy five dollars to get a hundred dollars in in winnings. Um, and the Ravens are the second favorites to win the AFC at a, a plus uh, three hundred, or I think a plus three fifty. The Chiefs are at the plus three hundred. They're the number one team to win the AFC, and they should be. They're the AFC champions and the Super Bowl champions, all that jazz. But if you're if you if you want to make some money right now, I would not. I, I you know, and this is not a Homer talking right now. I mean, I, I am a Homer. Anyone who knows me knows I am. I am, I am always, you know, more favorable to the Steelers when I'm predicting things. But, you know, I look at that 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 line. I, winning the AFC is a whole other ball game. You know, injuries could happen. Uh, the, the Chiefs are still out there. The Texans could get hot. You know, there's uh, the Ravens could get even better. But I mean, here's the thing: I don't see the Bengals making some crazy jump next year with Joe Burrow. I don't see the the Browns figuring anything out anytime soon. And the Ravens could go through, I mean, even though this is technically Lamar Jackson's junior year, because this is his third year in the league, but this is this will be his the, the, the first full year that we've all seen, you know, what he could do, and teams are going to plan around what, on how to stop him. I think that's going to yield itself to a few people having a little bit more success against Lamar Jackson, and at least containing him and not letting him uh, destroy teams uh, as he did this past year. And if you take Lamar Jackson off, off of what the Ravens have been doing, I think they become a much more average team and a much more beatable team. But that's why he was MVP. He turned a team that I don't think really scared me outside of Lamar Jackson um, into a team that was like, okay, you got to consider them a threat. Um, so if there's a if there's a way to neutralize Lamar Jackson, at least contain him from, from taking over, kind of like how the Steelers did when they played him in Heinz Field. Uh, last year, they forced three turnovers from him. Then, you know, if uh, if Juju Smith doesn't fumble over overtime, they might win that game. Uh, and that's a game where Mason Rudolph was knocked out of, and Devin Hodges made his NFL debut. Um, or no, sorry, it wasn't his de- debut, but it was uh, you know the Chargers game was. But still, point being, um, uh, point being that you know you brought in Devin Hodges when you really didn't want to have to, and you still almost won. Um, but this is my this is my thing is that with Lamar Jackson, I I think that 
there's it's reasonable to think the Steelers could make a run, make a push if they're the healthy team. If Ben Roethlisberger comes back right and they're able to establish a running game, why wouldn't you pick this team? So go go to these places. If you're a betting person, let me know. Let me know if you're a betting person. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. You can follow. You can follow, you can join the Facebook group to talk about this with other Steelers fans by searching uh, by searching Locked On Steelers through Facebook. If you if you join the group, I'll add you as soon as I can. Um, but you, you can talk to, talk to me about what you think about these odds and if you're a betting person and if you're putting money down on this, let me know if you do, you know, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, because I, I think that the, the odds of, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, making 475 off of that, if they win the division, I don't think it's that far of a stretch to say that they could win the division. I mean, the past two years, they've been the closest thing to the Ravens, you know, two years ago, if the Ravens had lost to the Browns, they would have won the division. And if, and if the Ravens don't discover Lamar Jackson is, is the guy of the future, they probably, the Steelers probably win the division there as well. They, I mean, they were a step away from, from catching the Ravens this year. Oh, uh, well, a few steps away, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry, but they were, they were a step away from the playoffs, but I mean, they, they were a step away from beating the Ravens in the middle of the season. And if they had Ben Roethlisberger, you have to wonder, would they have been able to keep up with the Ravens with the way its defense was playing? I just I don't think that it's it's so far out to bet on the Steelers right now. And uh, I mean, heck, if you want to just throw some money down on the AFC Championship title, you could make a whole heap a lot of money by by betting that. And the Steelers, I think, are a legitimate dark horse for this year because so many people are doubting them. So many people don't want to hear that the Steelers are going to do well this year. So many people think that that Ben Roethlisberger is going to stink or the defense isn't going to be right or something's going to happen and, and Bud Dupree's overrated, all these other things. Everyone's going to say all these, these nonsensical narratives and you're going to be able to make some money there. So I wanted to bring this up because just because I really think that there's a chance that the uh, – that the Steelers are, uh, you know, are onto something with how with how good their defense played last year and how great they can be this upcoming season. Okay, so gonna get into our second break here, and it's gonna be time for some Throwback Thursday right after this. All right, it's time for Throwback Thursday. So you guys know, um, I've I've been doing games a lot recently. I don't I don't want to get stuck in just doing games that we all remember and just talking through the big plays because I also want to talk about people there's a lot of great people in this in, in the Steelers organization that we can talk about um and we're going to talk about a player and a player that I you know I don't want to go too bad far back sometimes on y'all and let me know how far back can I go can I talk about 70s players and you guys won't be like Chris I don't have any connection to that guy we got we can do that later but I'm going to talk about a player that uh, a lot of you Steelers fans should know if you're not too young out there and that's James Alfred Farrier. James Farrier, of course, was a captain for the Steelers in their 2000s push to get two more Super Bowls and be the first team to win six Super Bowls in this era. So the reason I wanted to pick James Farrier is because I, you know, I look over a lot of great players in the Steelers history, and there's a lot of guys that jump to everyone's minds, right? Everyone thinks about Troy Polamalu. Everyone thinks about, you know, uh, Joe Green. Everyone thinks about Terry Bradshaw, and you know, all, you know those those kind of names, you know. And they also talk about those. They'll always talk about the edge rushers too. They'll talk about James Harrison. They'll talk about Greg Lloyd. They'll talk about Kevin Green. Uh, but rarely do I hear James Ferrier's name come up when people are talking about greats in the Steelers organization. And let me tell you. As a person who's gotten to know a lot of people that understood the, the the history of the Steelers locker room, I didn't get I wasn't ever able to be there to cover James Ferrier. Of course, he was gone long before I was even out of school. But 
James Ferrier, growing up watching him, it was like always thing, always knowing he'd be in the right place at the right time. That he was going to be on his assignment and playing it physically. And how he embodied what it meant to play defense for the Steelers. He was tough. He was a playmaker. And in a lot of ways, he compares to what Minka Fitzpatrick is today. Uh, and what the Steelers hope that Minka Fitzpatrick will be. Ferrier was a highly touted linebacker coming out of college. He played at Virginia. Um, when he was drafted, he was drafted by the New York Jets at the 8th overall pick. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick, the 11th overall pick by the Miami Dolphins. Two AFC East teams, two draft positions the Steelers weren't ever going to be in. And when you look at James Ferrier's start to his career with, with the Jets, it was... Not great. His first couple of years, they, they kept trying to put him at outside linebacker, and that just wasn't his, his suit. Uh, he was a 3-4 inside linebacker. That was where he played in uh, in college. And uh, he, he did explode for over 100 tackles when he was with the Jets in 2001. Uh, but then they were kind of like, yeah, we don't need you. You just had one big year because it was a contract year. Hmm, I wonder what Steelers linebacker right now they're saying that about. Hmm, you tell me, fans. Uh, but... Uh, but James Ferrier exploded that year, and then the Steelers scooped him up in free agency because they knew how much of a talent he was. And my goodness, did James Ferrier work. Now, if you're sitting back and thinking, I don't remember all these big James Ferrier plays. Yeah, yeah, I remember he was in the middle of the defense and all that. But y'all got to understand, James Ferrier did stuff that was just covering up for so many things. He was the guy that communicated to the entire defense. He kept everyone on the same page. But he didn't he wasn't just a communicator. He was an enforcer. He brought the hits. He read the gaps. He shut down the plays. He covered the pass. He he was just everywhere all the time. If you go back to when the NFL started to recording combined tackles and that means uh solo tackles along with assist tackles. If you go back to how to when the NFL started uh, you know officially recording that statistic to 1987 you get a, a, a long list of Steelers players that got over 100 tackles in a season. But among Steelers, the top 10 of, of players that had, you know, these, these are the top 10 seasons in the most tackles in Steelers history. James Ferrier make, takes up four of the top 10 seasons when it comes to total tackles. And to explain how crazy that is, that means he was better than Lawrence Timmons, who had 135 tackles in, uh, in in 2010. That means he was better than Earl Holmes, who had 128 tackles in 2000. That means he was better than LeVon Kirkland, who was another very bad man at the, at the inside linebacker position. He had 126 in 1997. Um, that means he was better than Chad Brown, uh, you know, uh, Greg Lloyd, who got a, who got 116 in 1995. Hardy Nickerson, if you want to go back to the early 90s when you played some Tecmo Bowl, James Ferrier is that dude. His his best his best tackle statistic year came in his second year with the Steelers in 2003. He had 141 tackles. That's the most in franchise history for a season by far. It's ridiculous to think to think about what he's. Uh, you know what 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 he was able to do uh in in that year now the thing was is that it wasn't just a one off he kept doing that because in 2000 in 2004 he went ballistic again but in 2004 he be, he was a first team all pro he um he didn't get he he, uh, he didn't he didn't have the extremely high tackle tackle stats 
he, he had 95 tackles, nine of which for lo- were, were for loss. He recovered three fumbles, forced three fumbles, and had four interceptions, one of which were returned for a touchdown. And that was when the Steelers largely arrived with Ben Roethlisberger as a rookie quarterback. They went 15-1 and that season, ended up losing to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. But it was sort of a, a tone-setting year for the rest of that of, of that decade because you looked at how they played the next year. They went and won the Super Bowl in that year. Had a, He had another great year. And it's crazy. You look at his time, he only made two Pro Bowls. This is a guy that was just always all over the place, and this shows you how unappreciated that James Ferrier truly was because he didn't have the great sack numbers. Now, he, he did have some interesting sack numbers later in his career, but he didn't have the super interception numbers, but he was just always there, always reliable, always doing what he had to do as a captain. He understood what it meant to be a Steeler. He understood that there was a camaraderie. He even set the tone for that from that camaraderie. Uh, there's there's a there's a Legends video that you can watch that the Pittsburgh Steelers have on their website. Google uh, James Ferrier Steelers Legend, and they have a really cool interview with him where he talks about just his how he how he loved the family environment of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But James Ferrier was part of setting the tone of that family environment. He made sure other guys knew what they had to do, but also you know, what was expected of them, what he, you know, how he cared for them and how they kind of built their relationships together. And this is a guy that, that stuck through a lot of changes over the years. He saw the, he saw Joey Porter come into the, come into the organization and, uh, and, and ride and rise to prominence and become a superstar for the team. He saw James Harrison come into the season and, be, and rise and become a superstar. He saw Lamar Woodley do that. He retired after two, after 2011. That was, after the the Tim Tebow playoff game, but think about that. He played through 2002 with the Steelers all the way to 2011, and had all that kind of success. He won two Super Bowls. Um, you know, you know, went to multiple AFC Championship games, uh, and went you know won three AFC Championship games. You know, among that, he, this this was a guy that was just always doing the right things at the right time. And again, talking about that family environment. If you don't know about Pittsburgh, if you don't, if you're if you're a person that's not from Pittsburgh. You should always know about Pamela's. Pamela's is a very famous breakfast spot in Pittsburgh. My personal favorite. A lot of people like Kelly O's or DeLuca's. Let me know what y'all y'all think. If you are if you are Pittsburgh bre- brunch people, I'm I'm very much a Pamela's guy. I love the Squirrel Hill one. Uh, shout out to my folks out there. It's a great. Uh, I love I love going to Squirrel Hills, uh, Pamela's. But um, but Pamela's is a, is a legendary place for pancakes. Barack Obama went there once, and they have a big picture of him on the front. Um, but he once said that Pamela's had the best pancakes in the country. They do. I'm telling you, they're great. But what James Ferrier went there for him, you could often see him in the Oakland one. Now Oakland's the college part of Pittsburgh, where University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon and Carlo College, m- most of the colleges, they're right. That's where Oakland is. That, that's the part of Pittsburgh. It's pretty close to downtown. But there was there's a there's there's a Pamela's right in the smack middle of of Oakland and. You know, it was it was always told that you could that if there was a night game for the Steelers, you'd most likely be able to see Dick LeBeau, Steelers defensive coordinator and legendary defense, def, you know, just legendary NFL person. He was a le- he was a legend as a cornerback in the NFL's playing days, and then he revolutionized all defenses in his coaching days. Dick LeBeau made one of the greatest NFL people of all time, and him and James Ferrier would just go and get brunch 
on the morning before uh, night games in if they were hosted in Pittsburgh. And I remember that being a tradition. Like people would be like, oh, and, and the students they wouldn't bother them. That was, that was the cool thing. Like they wouldn't m- m- mug them. They would allow them to eat their brunches and not be too much. But it was kind of a tradition for them, and it was a really cool one. You know, like the, here's this great Pittsburgh establishment right in the middle of the city, and you know, James Ferrier and uh, Dick LeBeau are just chilling, eating their brunches, and then going about their day. Uh, so that was always pretty cool to see um, and to, to hear about as a, as, a, as a fan growing up. And uh, and James Ferrier, I mean, he was just he was just that guy, right? You know, and you look at how many times he rose up in big games. He had he had pick six. He had a pick six uh, that that really helped them in the 2004 season. But go back and look at his playoffs performances and you know he was in the playoffs quite a bit because he was on those Steelers teams um but uh you know you go back and you look at what he did for the Steelers in that 2000 uh that that 2005 playoff run where you know they played it they played against the Bengals he had a huge interception in that game they played against the Colts he had 10 tackles two of which were for loss uh, in in that game, he had two and a half sacks on Peyton Manning in a game that you know, if you remember it ended because they were able to put a lot of pressure on Peyton Manning, and then eventually Jerome Bettis fumbled and they had to get a missed kick. But the problem was for the for the Colts is that they couldn't get the offense going because they were bringing it, and Joey Porter was very much the hero of that game for for continuing to hit Peyton Manning and saying cheat that after uh, the controversial call against Troy Polamalu where he did intercept the ball and they called it incomplete. But James Ferrier, you know, one of those guys that people remember what Joey Porter did because Joey Porter was the guy that put himself out there all the time. But James Ferrier should be right there. Two and a half sacks, ten tackles. Um, you know, and he was right, and he and he was the man. And then you look at the the Broncos game. Nothing spectacular because the Steelers really routed them. And, but he had a pass. He had a pass breakup that game. And then in the Super Bowl, he was right back at it because he had another pass break up there he had six tackles total and you look at those games the Steelers defense commanded all of them Bengals game after an early touchdown they gave up to Carson Palmer they gave up uh, or a huge play to Carson Palmer he got hurt he came out and after that they really shut you know John Kitna came out and had some early success but they shut down the Bengals excuse me the Bengals offense after that Peyton Manning one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the RCA Dome where the Colts were perceived to be unstoppable earlier that season. They dismantled the Steelers' defense. They they didn't that day. James Ferrier led the way there. Jake Plummer, an offense that just that just picked apart Bill Belichick the week before. Um you know, you look back at you look back at how they handled that team. And then the number one offense, the number one team in the league, uh behind Sean Alexander and the Seahawks, they came they they came to face the Steelers in the Super Bowl and they held them to ten points. James Ferrier, part of that all the way. And then again Go back and look at what he did for the Steelers in the 2008 Super Bowl year when it was 2009 in the playoffs. You know, he had nine tackles against the Chargers in their in their their victory over them in the, in the divisional round. Then when playing the Ravens in a legendary AFC Championship game, he had nine more tackles and a pass breakup. Then in the Super Bowl, he had eight more tackles and hit Kurt Warner to to apply pressure in that game. That was just ridiculous. All the stuff that this guy kept finding a way to do, and when he was doing that in 2008, he was 34. You know, that's that's the that's around the time when you think, all right, time time for you to hang it up, man. You're 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 getting way up there. But no, he came right back, and he was still contributing in 2010. In 2010, 
when they when they made the playoffs again and they wanted to make their push to get to another Super Bowl. He had five tackles against the Ravens in the divisional round, including a pass breakup, eight tackles against the Jets in, in a very close one. He also had a big quarterback hit in that game. Now, he didn't have, perform too great against the Packers, um, only had two tackles there, but he was part of what the, how the defense recovered from taking several early shots from Aaron Rodgers and giving the offense a chance to come back. That was just part of who James Ferrier always was. And you look at just the demeanor that he had. He never was a guy that, that that seemed to give up in the moment. He never let things get out of hand. You know, people talk about the Steelers locker room and the integrity of it. There are there are guys who come and go with the Steelers organization that are like, you know, he was a nice guy. He was a contributor to the locker room. But there are few guys who you can say led the locker room. And James Ferrier was absolutely one of them. And and he was loud amongst his teammates. If you ever go back and listen to highlights, you could hear him hyping up his teammates. But he was never a guy that was loud in the media. He was never a guy that was say, say hey, look at me, do this. He was about going out there, doing the work, getting the job done, and then celebrating with his teammates after the fact. He got to celebrate two Super Bowls with them, along with three AFC titles, and was a heck of a player. Will he ever make the Hall of Fame? Probably not. And that's something that Dale Lawley and I have talked a lot about in our private times, just kind of like going over about Steelers stuff and where we think certain people are. But when you look at James Ferrier, you cannot ignore the huge role that he played in the Steelers' um, most recent two Super Bowls. And when you think about it, they probably don't win it without him. He's a huge piece in the puzzle that that was created then. His legacy carried over as he was he was very much one of those leaders that they kind of missed. Troy Polamalu, when he talked to Dale Lally about why he why he retired at when when he did and when he kind of how he felt about the team, he said he kind of didn't want to be that leader that had to keep everyone in line. He didn't want to have to be that guy because James Ferrier was that guy for so long. That's who James Ferrier was. He was the guy that Troy Polamalu could rely on. And if you can get a guy that's that great not just on the field, but as a person to be able to keep everyone in line in the locker room, that's a heck of a get right there. And that's a heck of a legend for the Pittsburgh Steelers in all their history of great linebackers. James Ferrier should be right up there with the Lamberts and the Hams. All right, that was Throwback Thursday. Let me know what you thought. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Hit me up. Uh, if you follow me, I'll follow you back. But hit me with an ad, hit me with a DM. I'm always down to chat with you guys. If you liked that that Throwback Thursday segment, let me know. And let me know some of your favorite James Ferrier memories, right? If, you know, if you if, if you ever if you ever met the guy, if you ever remember a big play of the guy, please feel free to share them. And also feel free to share them with, with the other Locked On listeners. Go to the Facebook group right now. Uh, you can just go to Facebook, search Locked On Steelers. If you ask to join it, I'll add you as soon as I can. You can talk with hundreds of others. We're growing every day. We're getting new people all the time. You can talk with other hundreds of other listeners in the show. Um, again, this is the Locked On Steelers podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Also, please leave a five-star review as well as a positive comment. Those things really help me get the word out about the show and let people know what we're doing up in here, you know, so me and Tony can have more some have some more fun Tony Tuesdays. Um, also, if you haven't already, and I've been talking about this early in the week, I laid off until the end of the show this time, but don't forget I'm competing in Pittsburgh Media March Madness, which is this sort of March Madness. It's, it's done for fun. 
Um, but it's a March Madness bracket that was made up of all Pittsburgh media, like, major faces. And I finally made the list. This has been going on for, like, about like three or four years now. And I finally made it, y'all. But I'm a 16 seed. I'm an underdog. Everyone doubts me. Everyone thinks that I'm not going to get it. But you guys, the Locked On listeners, you have pushed me to a level that nobody thought I could make. Because right now, there are there's still, we have about four days left of, of voting. But... We're at 537 votes, and I'm currently leading 54% to 46% over Colby Armstrong. I'm beating a former Penguin, guys, a national televised hockey analyst who used to play in the NHL and play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And your boy, Chris Carter, is out here as a 16th seed, rocking like I'm University of Baltimore, um, uh, Baltimore, uh, Maryland, Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. There we go. I've got the whole UMBC out there. But, um, yeah. So vote for me if you haven't already. If you if you if if you want to if you want to know where you can find the poll, go to my Facebook or not my Facebook, my YouTube page. It's also I also put the link in our Facebook group for if you want to find it. But if you go to my uh, my Twitter page, you can you can go right there. You again at Carter Critiques. I'll have it tweet to one of my most recent retweets. You can go to the poll, vote for me, retweet to your friends, tell everyone to vote. We're trying to make a run here because when we beat Kobe Armstrong, we're gonna survive in advance and go to the next round. So, again, thanks to all those who have supported me. Thanks to all those who support the show. I'll be back tomorrow helping you wrap up the week with a fun Friday.